If you worry about what other people think, soon enough, you will be on the sidelines of your life. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone. It's Deborah Kozowski here, and I am super excited to have you here. I'm your host of the Millionaire Woman Show. We bring you guests from around the globe who will inspire, educate, and motivate you into taking action so you can live your life rich from the inside out. Today's guest, I am super excited to have. I came across her late husband's TED video, TED Talk video, and it really inspired me to sign up for their newsletter and really dig into more of the mindset work that I help people coach with. But learning more about what Shelly and Morty had created has been phenomenal. And I'm going to go tell you a little bit about our special guest. And I'm going to jump into all those questions to share with you. Shelly Lefko is the co-founder of Lefko Institute, a San Francisco Bay Area firm whose mission is to significantly improve the quality of life on the planet. Shelly has helped thousands of clients worldwide recreate their lives by ridding themselves of the wide variety of problems, including phobias, relationships that never seem to work, violence, procrastination, unwillingness to confront people, health and wellness issues, sexual dysfunction. Her clients have eliminated emotional patterns such as fear, hostility, shyness, anxiety, depression, worrying about what other people think of them and the negative sense of themselves. Her programs have reached over 150,000 people worldwide. Her work has been featured on the Today Show, Lisa and many other media outlets. Her personal vision is to transform the way people parent. She believes that we raise conscious generation of children, violence will end, people will treat each other with respect and dignity and the life on this planet will be better for everyone. Shelly is an international keynote speaker and workshop leader, and I am delighted to share Shelly with you around the world. She's um, amazing content, and uh, thank you so much, Shelly, for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Deborah. You know, Shelly, when I, what I love most about your emails is when they come to me, it's always the right story at the right time. And uh, I really, you know, as we go through this, we'll make sure that everybody at the end of the show will get a contact information with you and how to connect with having that information. But you have this way of stating a present premise or, and then sh sharing a story of how it worked for someone. And I find it so intriguing that the living examples that you have of the students you people we've worked with and how we can dispel the beliefs that we've attached to. And when I said that, you know, I got caught on to the TED talk, the TED talk for me is about that meaning that we attach to events. And it only has a meaning if we attach it. I would love for you to expand and tell us a little bit more about that. Wow. 
I've never opened with that in a podcast. <laughs> that's new. You know, that's all very new. Um, so you just made a statement that the meaning uh, that uh, events only have the meaning that you give them, which is an inaccurate statement that everybody says. Um, so the TEDx talk came from our body of work, which for 30 years has been about um, the premise that our behavior, our emotions um, are a function of our beliefs. So underlying all those patterns that you said, I help people get rid of are unconscious, mostly unconscious beliefs that people have. And by a belief, um, I mean something very specific. So a belief is a statement about reality that you believe is the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and so we help people get rid of the beliefs that cause the problems and then the problems go away. One day, um, I don't know how many years ago now, but a few years, some years ago. Um, yeah, I don't know. My husband was uh, doing one of his intellectual, spiritual deep dives. And he realized that when we come into this world, you know, we don't know anything. We're little balls of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And what we realized is that before something becomes a belief, it's meaning. So if you don't get picked up when you're crying, when you're little, you're likely to conclude you know, the meaning you give that is that I'm not important. And if you then grow up and you start seeing mom looking at her iPhone or, you know, not paying attention to you, a dad is not home and not available, you know, you keep giving it the meaning I'm not important. And at some point you start believing that. And there's a reason why, um, um, because you're actually, it feels like you're actually seeing the meaning in the world. Like, can't you see I'm not important? Look. So we give meaning. The meaning then turns into things that we believe are true. And then we give meaning based on our beliefs. So if you have the belief I'm not important and your child ignores you, the meaning you're going to give it is they don't care about me. They don't respect me. You know, I'm not important. And then you're going to get angry. So all of our emotions come from the meaning that we give events. Now, here's the secret sauce. Events in and of themselves have no meaning. That's not to say they don't matter. It just you don't know anything for sure because something happens. And the most extreme um, uh, example of that is five years ago, my beloved angel of a husband died and that was devastating and horrible and I miss him and it's terrible, but it doesn't mean anything. In other words, it doesn't mean I'll never love again, or I'll never be happy again, or I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. So the events have no inherent meaning. Uh, if you, if somebody doesn't call you, you know, that doesn't mean they don't love you, or they don't care about you, or they don't want to go out with you. Um, if you don't get hired, a good, a good example, you like my stories. So I had a client, um, one of the very, very, I have clients all over the world, and ultimately, you want to get rid of your beliefs so that you stop giving meaning. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. But uh, so anyway, this, this young man came to see me. Um, he's a son of my client who happens to live in San Francisco. And um, he told me that he had an interview the next day um, with this law firm that he desperately, desperately wanted to work for. And um, we had a session and we got rid of a couple of beliefs, but in the first session, we only do you know one or two because it's the first session. But at the end of the session, he got rid of beliefs like I'm not good enough or um, I'm not um, smart or I don't matter, whatever his beliefs were. And at the end of the session, after you get rid of beliefs, I teach you how to get rid of negative emotions in the moment. And there's a little tool that you saw in the TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. And so I taught him this tool. And I said, whatever happens, no matter what it is, just look at what happened. And then ask yourself, when you get upset, what meaning did I give it? And then just come up with one other possible meaning for the event, and then get that the event has no inherent meaning. In other words, we don't know anything for sure because something happened. So the next day he goes on the interview and he's very nervous and he completely blows it. And they said, well, thanks for coming in, but you know, you're just not a fit. And he said, I got it, thank you. And he started to go down the rabbit hole and get really upset. And he said, wait a minute, what just happened? I blew the interview. What meaning did I give it? I'm never gonna work for this firm. Well, what else could it mean? Maybe there's something better around the corner, you know, but the fact that I blew the interview doesn't mean anything. It doesn't tell us anything. Maybe, you know, there was something better. So he goes home and the next morning, the law firm called him and said, yes, you blew the interview, but we read your resume and we were so impressed. We're hiring you anyway. So not only did it not mean that he was never going to get a good job, it didn't even mean that he would not work for this company. Right. So um, we go through unnecessary pain and suffering. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that you don't grieve or there's nothing that is sad or disappointing. But when you have the emotion from more than you want, then you use this process when you don't want to feel disappointed or sad or upset or angry or whatever you feel. You can just get that the event is here. This is what happened. The meaning is here. It's not in the event. Meaning is always in your mind. So if, if somebody walks by and doesn't say hello to you, you think, oh, they don't like me or, oh, I did something wrong. That's meaning, and that meaning is always inside your mind. Meaning does, that's why when people say, the event only has the meaning I give it, the event does not have the meaning you give it. The meaning you give it is in your head, not in the event. So that's a process that we teach that's like a Band-Aid. You know, it can help you in the moment. It's very powerful. We have a course that's coming up in the fall um, uh, that teaches you how to do this and practice this. And at the end of 10 weeks, you're like a guru. Um, but ultimately what runs people's lives are not the meaning you give events. That's what causes the emotions. 
but what keeps us stuck, what keeps us from moving forward, from procrastinating, from leaving bad relationships, from not playing big are our beliefs. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying some of and that. Let me clarify, let me clarify the difference yeah. between a belief and a meaning. So meaning, a meaning is a kind of belief. However, yeah. beliefs get formed in the past. Meaning gets formed in the moment. So the meaning almost becomes like a fact for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Say like mm -hmm. if emotion and fact are separated when people are making decisions, then the meaning must be a fact and the emotions over here. Well, the meaning causes the emotion. Right. And when you get rid of the meaning, the emotion goes away. And that's why when people, several people look at the same event, that's why we have all these different perspectives and not everyone's exactly. gonna see it as suffering. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Wow, the world will definitely be a better place by that quality of life that you know you have as your mission because we're driven by emotion. And when I think about different conversations I've had even in the past two weeks, you know, someone will say, oh, well, I just feel blah. And you ask them why they feel blah. And they're like, oh, no particular reason. But there's got to be a belief that they're holding to make them feel that way. Yeah. 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 It's, it's you know, people, one of the most common um, beliefs, Deborah, that people have is, you know, even though we know intellectually this isn't true, most people have the belief mistakes and failures are bad. And if I make a mistake, I'll be rejected given those beliefs, they, they don't, you know, if they make a mistake or fail, the meaning they give it is, oh, God, I'm stupid, I'm a failure, I, you know, whatever. And I always use this as a, such a wonderful example um, of, you know, the iPhone. So um, uh, we have the first iPhone had a um, uh, antenna and it used to break all the time and uh, people complained and Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive who uh, designs the iPhone said yeah this isn't good we better make an iPhone 2 so they made an iPhone 2 and it didn't have an antenna that broke and then at number six they said oh it you know I dropped my iPhone in the toilet and I cost me $600 many years ago to get a new one. A year later, my daughter dropped her iPhone in the toilet, took it out and made a phone call because they figured out how to make it waterproof. Mm -hmm. So they don't look at, you know, they don't say, oh God, I failed. I made a phone and the, and the antenna's breaking. And they just say, oh, we have to redesign it. Right. So the meaning when you make a mistake or fail once you get rid of that belief, and we have a program called Natural Confidence, which is 19 of the most common self-esteem beliefs, and it takes you through this process so you don't have to have individual sessions. You could just, it's very inexpensive, and we make it that way so people could be free because that was my husband's passion in life was that people could be free to live life as the unlimited possibilities that they are. That was his mission. Yeah. And so we made this program so you can go through the most common self-esteem beliefs and mistakes and failures are bad. 
and the ever popular, what makes me good enough is having other people think well of me, which was the belief that ran my life. And when you get rid of these beliefs, what's so extraordinary is life becomes so much easier. And when you make a mistake or fail, you just go learning opportunity. Yeah. Or, okay, what can I learn? How can I grow? How can I do it differently? And it's not, so the suffering goes away. And I think if all work is about anything, uh, it's how to stop suffering. And on the other side, how to be free and self-expressive. And, mm -hmm. you know, when people have the belief, what makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. You know, somebody says, you're wonderful. And you're like, oh, I'm wonderful. And then somebody says, oh, you're a jerk. And you go, oh, God, I'm a jerk. And then the person who called you a jerk says, oh, no, I was in a bad mood. You really, oh, I'm wonderful. I'm and, and what you get is after you eliminate the belief, nothing's changing about me. Mm -hmm. You know, right before COVID, I spoke in um, Croatia in front of six, six, eight hundred. I don't remember a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and when and she sent me some of the comments and um, I didn't know, but they pick out the best and the worst. So, you know, the first one was, oh, she was fantastic. Bring her back. I loved her. And the second one was she was great. I loved every minute. The third one. And then the fourth one was boring. It's like, okay. And then somebody said, it was great material. Somebody else said, I learned a lot. And the third person said, oh, I knew all that already. So instead of invalidating myself like I used to, now what I do is I look at the comments and I go, boring? Hmm, I'm a lot of things, but not boring. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else say that? No? Okay. And then I look at, do the negative comments have something, you know, consistent where I would look at it and say, well, a lot of people are saying that I should change that, but it doesn't define me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that, thank you, honey. <laughs> it's really about that defining, like how we're defining ourselves to ourselves. And yes. thinking, if we define ourselves that way, I wonder if everyone else sees me the same way I do. Well, if you have the belief, what makes me good enough are my achievements. Yeah. You are going to be a workaholic. You're going to be driven and people will see you that, that way, mm -hmm. not because you see yourself that way, because that's how you're going to manifest. Right. If somebody has, let's assume you're the um, oldest of 10, you know, uh, in a, Big, big family. The only thing you'll ever get acknowledged for usually is taking care of the siblings. So those people have the belief, what makes me good, these are called survival strategy beliefs. Yeah. What makes me good enough is taking care of people. So whenever I have a client who says I'm the oldest of 10, I say, oh, are you a nurse? And they go, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the oldest of five and I'm <laughs> nursing <laughs> it, exactly. It doesn't have, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be 10. But if you get acknowledged for taking care of your siblings, and it's the only thing you get acknowledged for, what you conclude is, first of all, I'm not good enough, which everybody has that belief. And then 
what makes me good enough is whatever I got acknowledged for. So for me, my mother only wanted me to be popular and loved and included. So if I was invited to a party, she'd say, oh, you were invited to the party? And if I wasn't, she'd say, oh, you weren't invited? You know, it's like, oh my God, you know, yeah, she didn't yeah. mean anything. She just wanted me to be happy. Yeah. But I concluded what makes me good enough is being loved and included and popular. And I spent my life accumulating friends. So I just had some surgery and one of my friends flew in and took care of me for nine, nine weeks, nine weeks, nine days. And then my women's group kicked in and they made dinner every night. And, you know, everybody's calling from all over the world. But I don't have all these degrees. I don't have an MBA mm -hmm. or a PhD or a, I don't, because that was never how I saw my worth and value. Interesting. Interesting. So I just want to tap into the comment you said about, you know, the baby that was crying and who was not picked up. Because I think, you know, as a parent, at the time you're reading and you're getting advice from all these people, you think you're doing the right thing, not thinking that down the road that your child's going to think that they're either abandoned, neglected, or have this belief that they weren't enough or whatnot, or not loved. I'm curious how to help that parent shift or that child later on is, you know, discovers that this is the belief, but how would they have known at such a tender age? You know, they being the parent or they being the child? The child. Well, children come into this world as a little ball of consciousness. They don't know right. anything about themselves, life or people or the world. Right. So if mom, you know, and, and the one word question that every child asks all day long is why, right? Why can't I have a play date? Why can't I have dessert? Why do I have to go to grandma's house? You know, why? So if mommy's not picking me up and holding me, why? Well, I guess I'm not important. So we conclude things based on what we see when we get here. And what I do is I have people get back to those um, uh, times, those uh, events, and we do, you know, lots of looking. Uh, and ultimately, what you what you find out is that you saw your mom not pay attention to you but mm -hmm. you can't see i'm not important mm. that's not out there that's right. in here right now in terms of parents if any parents are listening what i implore parents to do is to little hummingbird um <laughs> is to get trained um uh whether it's my program i have a parenting program but it could be that or anything anything that teaches you how to you know your one job is to facilitate your children to create positive beliefs about themselves life and the world that's it i don't care what your kid knows or doesn't know i don't care if they have a degree from harvard the only thing that's going to make them win in life and by winning i mean have a successful life of relationships healthy um careers you know um is, is if they have positive beliefs. 
And um, when you have an, a conversation with your child in any way, shape or form, or any interaction, not even a conversation, mm -hmm. when you walk away from that child, you have to stop and ask yourself, what did they just conclude? Did they walk away saying I'm a loser because I screwed up? Or did they walk away saying I made a mistake and I learned something? Well, I have to say my young adult children, one of them will often say, well, you're my mother. <laughs> you're supposed to say stuff like that. And I'm like, not every mother does, you know, to encourage and, and say, you know, you're beautiful. You're smart. I love the way you interacted with that person. Well, you're my mom. You, you, you're supposed to say stuff like that. But let me give you some parenting coaching. First of all, you look so young. I thought you had little kids. So <laughs> no. That's interesting. But, but I want to say something because you just said three things. You're beautiful. Oh, you're my mom. You're so smart. Oh, you're my mom. Yeah. I love how you just interacted with that person. Yeah. It was so kind. Yeah. That's different. Okay. Very different. Deeper. It's not just deeper. One is a judgment. Mm. The other is an observation, mm. an acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is I, I acknowledge, I observed you, like that moved me, that inspired me. Right. So if you say to you, let's assume you drew, you, you painted something and you came and you showed it to me. And I said, oh, Deborah, that is so beautiful. You say, oh, that's my mother, or oh, she tells everybody. Whatever you say, doesn't even if you say true, it's still teaching your children to need validation from outside. Mm. Now let's try a different way. You show me your painting, and I say, Deborah, the colors that you use make me feel happy when I look at that painting. Yeah. You know. That now the kid says, wow, I, I am, I love this word. It was my husband's word, efficacious. I <laughs> affected change. Mm -hmm. I made an impact on someone. That you know, I love. That when, I love. When I read your writing, it touched me and it touched a deep part of me, the way that you did your character development. Yeah. There's no good, bad, right, wrong, beautiful, fabulous. There's no judgment. Right, right. It, you know, it, it means it, I paid attention. And, and yes, you paid attention and you're observing something of value. Mm -hmm. The way that you treated your sibling just now was so thoughtful and kind. Now the kid says to himself, wow, I'm thoughtful and kind as opposed to I'm beautiful. Right. <laughs> and and right. you tell it. You know, um, when you sing, instead of saying you have a gorgeous voice, when you sing, it just fills the room with such vibrancy and beauty. You light up a room when you walk into the room. Yeah. And people in organizations can do this for each other too. How much different the workplace would be if we did that? Because I took the time to, like you said, to observe and notice as opposed to good job, good job, yeah. good job. It's like this good job was the opposite. You know, we were told, you know, shut yeah. up and I don't care and children should be seen and not heard. So yeah. that, so our generation said, oh, I'm not going to do that. And now they went into the good job, good job, good job. One of my clients was just telling me that he said, Shelly, I'm exhausted. 
he said, I have these millennials who work with me, who work for me. And he said, they need pats on the head every day. It's like, you did what you're being paid to do. Good job. It's like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that really made me think about recently, and I'm, I'm, I know my mom would be fine with me sharing this with you and everyone listening and watching. So we were decluttering a part of our basement and I came across this card that I sent. Gosh, it's almost, almost about 30 years ago. And my mother at that time was working nights and I'm the oldest of five. So the youngest was, gosh, how old were they? Under 10. They were under 10 and uh, on a farm and a lot of transition going on. And I had was getting my wisdom teeth taken out and I arranged for another friend of the family to come with me to the appointment because my mom had just gotten off nights. And this card was acknowledging that mom, I didn't want you to be upset. I was concerned about you driving an hour in to come to my appointment and um, and nobody would replace you, which I don't even remember the conversation, but she was with me as I was going through these papers. And I said, mom, do you remember getting upset that you thought this other family member or friend of the family was taking your place? Or I thought more highly of her than you. And she's like, oh, isn't it crazy? The things we used to believe that's all she said to me. And I was just like, that was so much thinking about what she thought of that event. Mm -hmm. at that moment that not enoughness but to years later to look at it and say well that was never the case right so somewhere along the way she changed the belief but it's interesting that I had written this note trying to explain my rationale as to no I was just more concerned about you being overtired right yeah so it fascinates me <laughs> So the only thing between you and your dreams are your beliefs. So when, we, when we have these beliefs, so we talked about, um, you know, the child in the crib and, you know, the parent, you know, when they get older and they d realize that, oh my gosh, they didn't pick me up this one time in the crib and they go back to have that conversation with their parent who at the time thought they were doing the best that they could how do people move through that interaction of that conversation? Because I know um, different situations where, you know, children who, you know, they're now adults, discover this belief and then go have conversations with their parents. And how, how did you even believe that? How could you, how could you not pick up your child, you know, when they were crying? How would you help? So, so let me, let me, let me answer it. Sure. So, so you got me there. So number one, you don't form a belief because your parents didn't pick you up once. Right, right. So a belief doesn't get formed because your parents didn't pick you up once. A belief gets formed because they don't do it over time. Right. Okay. So it needs to be a pattern. It needs to be a pattern. It's exactly right. Right. That's the word we use, a pattern. Now, when you do the process, one of the steps in getting rid of a belief is you say, well, so you look at the events. My parents didn't pick me up when I cried when I was little and they worked all the time. They weren't there. Right. 
And one interpretation is I'm not important. What's another interpretation? Well, another interpretation might be another way of interpreting the events is you were important and they had a lot on their plates right. and didn't know that it was important to pick you up. You know, maybe they, mm -hmm. Dr. Spock said, don't spoil your child. So maybe they had beliefs that kept them from picking you up. And another interpretation is that workaholics have the belief, I'm not important, but what makes me important are my achievements. Mm -hmm. And so when they work with me and they realized, I said, where did your belief I'm not important come from? Well, my father was never around. They go, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing to my kid. Mm -hmm. So one interpretation is that your parents had the belief that they weren't important and it didn't occur to them that their presence was important to you. Some people give their kids material things, but it doesn't, don't, they don't understand that their presence are important. Right. And maybe you were important and they didn't have the parenting skills to make you feel important. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were never picked up as kids. You know, and I always say, if people knew how much attention children needed, nobody would have five kids. You can't give five kids your undivided attention. Yeah. So, so if there are other valid inter and, and, you know, in the big family, who gets the attention? Youngest. <laughs> Either the youngest or the squeaky wheel. Right. So the squeaky wheel, because parents think she's fine. He's fine. She's fine. Oh, this kid is sick. We got to pay attention. Or this kid is blowing up the toilet bowl with mm -hmm. you know firecrackers, we have to pay attention. So there, so what you look at is there are other interpretations that you couldn't see as a kid. Maybe they were damaged in their own childhoods and felt shut down. You know, there are people, I'll tell you a great story in a minute about loving. So once they see that there are other interpretations, they're more likely to be compassionate with their parents. So they don't go to their parents and say, why didn't you pick me up when I was a kid? What's wrong with you? Because they have insights. I had a client once who abandoned his son and he said, I cried every day. And I said, well, if you cried every day, why did you abandon your son? And he said, because I believed that I was such a loser. He was better off without me in his life. Wow. If the son found that out, he wouldn't go to his father and say, why did you abandon me? You know, what the hell's wrong with you? He right, right. I'm not saying it makes it easy. It doesn't get rid of the belief. You have to continue doing the process. Right. But it's an opening. It's a shift yeah. in compassion for your parents. You know, I was working with someone who had one of the most emotional beliefs one of the one of the beliefs that will elicit the most emotion if people have it they generally cry when they say it out loud is i'm not worth loving or i'm not lovable and it comes from not getting affection or you know um, hearing i love you as a kid right and so i was working with this man on this belief and i said where did you get the belief and he said well when i was little my mom used to always go like this. So I would go to hug her. And if you're listening to this, I'm pushing, 
I have my hands and I'm like pushing him away. She would push me away and say, no, 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 no. So we got rid of the belief and it was very emotional when we got rid of the belief. The belief went away, it was gone. And that night he goes to his mother's house and he rings the bell and she answers the door and he goes to hug her and she goes, no, 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 with her hands. She goes to push him away. And uh, I'm sorry, she goes to push him away with her hands. And he says, no, 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 no. And he gives her a hug. So the next time he goes over, he rings the bell, opens the door. He goes to hug her. She goes like this to push him away. And he says, no, 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 no. And he gives her a big hug. Yeah. The third time he goes to the house, he rings the bell. She opens the door and she hugged him. Wow. She was afraid of rejection. She was afraid of being pushed away. She had the belief that she wasn't loving, that she wasn't lovable and nobody wanted to hug her. Right. So once she got that she wasn't going to be rejected and that he wanted her love, she gave it. Yeah. So that, that shift can happen at any age and repair so many different relationships. I have to find out, I keep forgetting, there's a book out, it's one of the Oprah books. And I, I, think, the tit- I think the title of the book is What Happened to You? Oh, that, it's a recent one. Yeah. And she says, instead of asking what's wrong with you, mm-hmm. what? happened to you and it's just the profound shift when you look at people the way i do and i think what must have happened to this person mm-hmm. what beliefs must they have to behave like that right people aren't evil people aren't selfish people are you know when i used to scream at politicians when i was watching tv my husband would always say shelly if you were raised the way they were and had the beliefs they had you'd be saying the same thing they're saying yeah. That's what racism is. It's beliefs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people start talking about the intergenerational trauma, how does the LEFCO method fit into that? Like, I know that we can, if it's happened within our parent child, but how, how do we know, like, if it was a grandparent belief or, you know, without digging a little bit deeper, we won't know. Well, first of all, you're right. You have to dig deeper. Right. 90% of the time it's parents, unless you were raised by your grandparents. Right. Because if your parents loved you and adored you and thought you walked on water and your grandparents moved to another country, you wouldn't conclude all these things. Mm-hmm. So it's almost always parents with self-esteem beliefs, not with other beliefs, but with self-esteem beliefs, it's parents. Right. But this thing about intergenerational let me give you an example. My girlfriend's mother was a battered wife. So her father used to beat up her mother. Mm-hmm. So when I worked with her, she had, that was the first time I ever heard, it was 30 years ago, first time I ever heard the belief, love is painful. Because she asked her mother, why do you stay with him? And she said, because I love him. So my girlfriend concluded love is stupid, painful, and dangerous. Mm. Now, given that belief, 
she went and and married somebody that she loved and he was um he wasn't violent but he was an alcoholic and he was angry and mean and she said i don't want to be like my mother so she divorced him and then married somebody she didn't love who was just kind of blah mm -hmm. and then she divorced and then she worked with me and then she divorced him and now she's been married for 20 years to a wonderful fabulous man that she loves but it goes from the beliefs go from generation to generation because if you see your mom treated a certain way you may conclude men have all the power i'm powerless you know women are to be treated that way and then you because of you you have beliefs then you do that and then you have kids and your kids see the same thing mm -hmm. so it's not like it's intergenerational it's not like this um amorphous legacy that happens in the world it's very concrete and finite that you see things go from gen if you are, are in a family where your grandfather is very very wealthy and your father is raised and he has everything he wants and he concludes money is abundant you mm. know money is not a problem you can make money easily then he will and then that's what you'll see and if you have those beliefs that's what your kids will see yeah does that make sense? Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I think about different relationships and, you know, how one person in the relationship could have an abundant mentality and the other one has a scarcity mentality. And it's very challenging yeah. to be a part of that, but also to understand where that belief came from. And yet at the same time, and this is, yeah, this is something I want to ask you, because even though we have our parental influence, we like all siblings, for example, have their own social circles and connections that they form that average of the five people you hang out with. Is it that we also pick up the beliefs of the social circles that we have, or is it still influenced more so by the parenting? Well, it could be the social circles when you're a kid. Yes. Right. Yes. But not yeah. as an adult. Right. Most of your beliefs are formed by the time you're 10 years old. Because I'm thinking about bullying, you know, and bullying in school. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Bullying is the source of lots and lots of pain and suffering and beliefs. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And in natural confidence, um, you know, the, the website is recreateyourlife.com. And in this program, you know, bullying, for instance, you know, you, you conclude, I don't fit in, I don't belong, I'm different, or I'm not good enough or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and all these beliefs underlie procrastination. They underlie playing small in life, being afraid to, but it handles fear of rejection. Fear of rejection is one of the easiest things to get rid of. We have a very quick emotional deconditioning process that you can get rid of. In this program, you get rid of um, fear um, associated with being criticized and judged fear of not living up to an expectation and fear of uh, rejection and it will be gone forever and it's like magic just magic that's what i was going to ask you when you work with one event of someone having the belief of not being loved or not being enough it, it ha doesn't have to be situational for every event that comes up for you, because if it had the same underlying meaning is what you're saying that it will dissolve all of the beliefs of being unlovable or not enough. 
you just kind of threw in a lot of stuff and not sure what you're asking. When you don't know the words, we you kind of use them interchangeably and they're not interchangeably. Yeah. So you don't work on one event, you right. work on one belief. Belief, got it. A belief comes from many events. So okay. when you when yeah, so when you let's assume um you know, it's like Santa Claus. Well, I don't want to use that for, for this particular instance. When you get rid of the belief and you get, I never saw I'm not worth loving. Mm -hmm. I saw two people treat me a certain way. Right. Where did I'm not worth loving come from? Well, I made that up. Right. <laughs> like Santa Claus. Right. I just saw that there was a Santa Claus. I made that up. Bam, that's gone. You never comes back. So once the belief I'm not worth loving goes away, it's just not true. So no matter what circumstance comes up, you're not a person who's not worth loving. So you act differently. You hear things differently. You know, a good example is my friend who I was talking about, um, whose um, father was the violent alcoholic. Um, we were out in Fire Island and I was telling a story about how my husband told me when I was, uh, we were first living together, if you're in, you're in, but if you're gonna commit to this relationship, you can't ever question the relationship again. And he said, I'll never do anything to intentionally hurt you. If something doesn't work, I'll fix it. You know, I will be a wonderful, you know, partner at the time. But if we're together, that's it. No out. And it was a very powerful moment because I think very few people actually commit in life. And when you do, it's very powerful because then you can make sure the circumstances are what you want because right. you're not leaving. So I told that story in Fire Island on the deck and a friend uh, and my girlfriend said, Shelly, I've heard you tell that story three times. This is the first time I ever heard it. And she had just gotten rid of the beliefs, love is painful, men are assholes, men can't be trusted, men are violent, men have all the power relationships don't work she got rid of all those beliefs now all of a sudden her listening opened up and she could hear a story that she literally she heard words but right. she could never hear the story so when you get rid of a belief it's like when i go on stage now i don't say oh is this a crowd where i'm not going to define myself i'm just me, I'm just authentic wherever I am. You could put me any place with the Queen of England, your podcast or Mark Hyman's podcast, you know, which had 25 million downloads. I am exactly the same. And that helps people, I think, really get true and tr trusting themselves. Yeah. I, I think of a uh, an event that happened to me several years ago, I was going to follow through and make this big life transition. And uh, a few weeks before the transition, I had someone phone me and say, Oh, are you sure you want to do that? I don't think you should do that. 
And then three days before they called and said, you know, we don't think you're going to make it. I don't think you should be doing that. And I was so excited the night before because I had this sticky on my, my mirror. And uh, I said, oh, I can't wait. And uh, they said, it's going to, everything's going to fail. And, you know, the next day I didn't follow through with it. Because I really believed what the other people were saying. And how could I ruin it for everyone to choose something for myself? And it's taken me, and this is the first time I'm actually sharing this on the air, um, but it's taken me a lot of time to work on rebuilding that trust in myself. And I think that's part of what got me to study mindset is to understand what happened that I didn't follow through. Because I that feeling I had the night before, I've never tapped in such an amazing feeling in my yeah. life. And I want it back, <laughs> you yeah. know? So if I so if I said to you, Deborah, what do you believe? If you really just look and ask yourself the question, yeah. what do you believe? Now there's a lot, but what yeah. do you believe that had you say no? At that time, I believe that they were right. Maybe because I didn't have a formal plan. I was just going by my trust and intuition that everything I had no doubt that everything was going to work out. I had no plan. Yeah, but what was underneath it? That I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But they were questioning. I felt that they were questioning whether I was good enough. And then I started questioning whether I was good enough. And I started to believe that I wasn't. Yep. Yep. I just did something that my girls did not want me to do. They were very, very upset. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, many, many in the past, I probably wouldn't have done it. And my, you know, and my daughter said, but, you know, Lo, her son, my grandson could come and visit you. And if you do that, that's not going to happen, you know, and um, normally I would have said, oh my God, I'll do anything for my grandson. But yeah. I was just in Hawaii for three months because that's where I decided to do COVID. That's where they live in Hawaii. Right. So I called them up and I said, listen, I don't tell you not to surf 30 foot waves and I don't tell you not to mountain climb and rock climb and canyoneer. I have two very risk-taking daughters. Yeah. I said, I don't always agree with what you're doing, but yeah. I love and support you. Mm. I would like the same. You do not have to agree with what I'm doing. Yeah. And I would like your love and support in doing it. And yeah. they both said, you're right, mom, fine. And that came from doing my work. Yeah and trust in learning to trust myself. Yeah. And so many of us were raised, um, Deborah, with what's this one gonna think and what's that one gonna think mm -hmm. and what if it doesn't turn out and what if you fail and what if, what if, what if. Yeah. You know, when you really do your work and when you get rid of these beliefs, it's like, it's like getting rid of tumors from your body and yeah. all of a sudden you get healthier and healthier and healthier yeah. and you're indestructible, you know, it's just like, because it's like, how can it not work? <laughs> I, 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 use, I use the example, um, my dad and my brother, you know, they don't mean anything. They love me ad nauseum, but they speak in a way that's very unconscious. And they would say, ah, you don't use your head. My father used to say, ah, you don't use your head. You don't think, oh, you piss away money, you know, things like that. Right. I used to get defensive and I 
don't you, you don't talk to me that way and that's not true and blah 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 and you know and I cry and scream and I felt I didn't realize it at the time but he owned me because he could he could make me quote unquote he could make me react that way yeah. and so when I got rid of particularly the belief what makes me good enough is having other people think well of me I no longer needed their validation and they said the exact same things and i had no reaction it was like watching a puppet show oh look what he just he just called me stupid you know and it just it just doesn't have meaning i don't give it meaning anymore right so that doesn't mean that i wouldn't say oh come on sweetie don't speak to that. maybe but right. like, are they going to change right i don't think so so the only thing that i have power over is my reaction can't you have no power necessarily over what happens out there mm -hmm. but you always have power over your reaction to it yeah because what i learned is part part of it was i felt like i betrayed myself one and then the other part was i gave away power because i gave it to that situation i gave it to whenever i was triggered i gave them my energy my my reaction right absolute 100 percent. yeah yeah then I'm curious when it comes to, you know, when they turn into those puppets, yet you're still not getting that support or encouragement, you know. I don't need it. Yeah, you give it to yourself. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't mean that sometimes, see, I surround myself with people who are encouraging and positive. Mm -hmm. You know, you said something before about being defined by the five people that you hang out with. Yeah, that is that is accurate. If you're with people who suck the life out of you or who are negative and, you know, that's how you're going to be. And if you're with people who are positive and believe in you and, you know, not everybody agreed with the thing that my kids didn't want me to do. Not everybody agreed with my my have friends who didn't agree with my doing it either. And, you know, um, they supported me 100 percent. They said, Chell, if this is what you want to do, knock yourself out, do it. Yeah. Why not? And, and so, but I don't need, you know, the constant, you could do it, you could do it, you could do it. Mm -hmm. you know? That's what happens again, when you start working on yourself and you get rid of the beliefs, you don't need that constant other people to believe in you. You start. Yeah. And the other thing is, I don't know if I could do it or not do it, but we'll see. Yeah, I, and I love that because it's filled with possibility. It's yeah. filled with what could I do? And it, because one of, this is what I tell people when they ask me what my greatest fear is, my greatest fear would be not making an impact, not making a difference in this world. That would be my greatest fear. Touche. And that's mine. And it's not even my greatest fear because if you are your authentic self, you will make a difference. You don't have to have a profound body of work. You know, mm -hmm. it's funny that I'm doing a podcast because I just did a, a docu-series called uh, The Millionaire Within Her. And um, uh, it was really wonderful because most women didn't necessarily talk about money. They right. talked about how when women have money, they're way more philanthropic. They use their, their money differently than men do. Yeah. And about empowerment of women and girls. So I was very happy to be a part of it. But 
you know, we look at these women and one, you know, one woman said, oh, I was with, um, you know, Mackenzie uh, um, Scott, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos's ex-wife and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and, oh, I built three companies and they're worth $10 million and, you know, people watching me and, no, oh, I did my work, but we're all in this world together. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own stuff. Yeah. And nobody's better than you. Nobody's smarter than you. Nobody's anything. People have beliefs that make them do what they do. And some people are driven to prove they're good enough. And so they build three companies with $10 million and it's never enough because they still feel like they're not good enough. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where that emptiness is, right? Um, it's interesting that you brought that up because someone had sent me the link to pay attention to that. And I had also been reading, um, I'm listening to the audio of Lynn Twist, The Soul of Money. So it's been interesting because I think some of the people that uh, ha ha were on the platform with you were some people that I, I know as well. So the Lynn Twist is one of my dearest friends. She's in my oh. women's group. And uh, so is Marcy Shymoff. Yes. And, so and Deborah Poneman. Deborah Poneman. Yeah. My buddies. Yes, um, Lynn Twist interview on the millionaire within her is captivating, captivating. She just goes into her whole story about meeting Mother Teresa for the first time and what yeah, that was like. I really enjoyed that in her book. I've known Lynn, my husband knows Lynn 40 years. I've known her, you know, probably 30. And yeah. I was sitting in, and I, you know, you when you have these friends, you know everything they're gonna say. But I listened to her interview and I was just captivated. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, I know she had All shared a story that was completely actually heart-wrenching for me. I was, I was on the way driving somewhere and all of a sudden this flood of tears, very powerful work and um, very much like the work that you do, but they're, they're different in the sense, but it does come down to the beliefs behind it. Yeah. And uh Oh, Shelly, I could, I could talk to you. For I know. Everybody has a hard time with me. Staying <laughs> I know. Oh, it's been yeah. such a pleasure. And um, I just have a couple more questions that, that we ask at the end of the show. And, you know, I, I value all the work and everything that you've shared with us. But I'm curious to know what book has influenced your life? Oh, um. Well, the soul of money for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That was very powerful. Um, yeah. I'll say the soul of money. Okay. And what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? To be fully in love with what you have rather than what you don't have to have nurturing loving relationships for me is being rich from the inside out doing what you love living your life not somebody that's what i would really say living your life not somebody else's life yeah that's beautiful and, it, and that resonates with me, me as well. 
And it's interesting that when I asked that question, I had so many different answers and all coming from a very specific place in people's hearts. So um, thank you so much for sharing. Now, I would love for people to know how they can stay connected with you, do work with you or the workshops. I know you have waiting lists for some. So um, I'm going to let you take it from here. Okay, so if you want to do the natural confidence course, which is how I think is the best entryway in, um, it's re, re, recreateyourlife.com, and you can eliminate a belief for free, see what it's like, and if it works for you and you go, wow, this is amazing, then buy the program. Um, if you want to do sessions, um, you can go to leftgoinstitute.com, and it says, get a session um, and um, you can have a strategy session uh, um, or you can just send me an email at Shelly at leftoinstitute.com or info. It'll tell you where to send it. Yeah. And um, we have facilitators. Um, sometimes, you know, um, I open up every once in a while. I love, 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 love working with people. It's my passion. Um, but you can do one-on-one -on -one sessions on Zoom. Um, and for people who don't like working themselves online. And then we just have courses. Just go to Lefko Institute. We have training courses on how to do the work. We have a course called um, uh, Freedom, the Occurring Course, which is coming up, which is spectacular. Um, yeah, so just go to leftgoinstitute.com, but go to recreateyourlife.com and eliminate a belief for free. Be very life-changing. And make sure you sign up for the newsletter because that's, got me right away and I was sharing it with other people. So I, I know that's a great place to have that reinforcement with story and um, seeing how it applies to your life as well. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun. Oh, I so enjoyed this with you, Shelly. And so many nuggets. And yeah, it was fun to even share some of the personal stuff that I don't always share on the show. But knowing that we're all works in progress and that as we, you know, overcome some of these beliefs, how unstoppable, how limitless we truly become. And then we can truly fulfill the purpose that we are meant to here to do. Yes. And yes. that's You're here. beautiful. And again, the mission is to significantly improve the quality of lives on the planet. So everyone, please go over, check out the LEFCO uh, Institute and it will be life-changing because even starting with the newsletters, it's already changed mine. So thank you very much, Shelly. You're welcome. And, uh, for those of you listening, also go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com. Right now you get your three-part video course on making habits stick, build that focus and consistency, find out what some of those derailers are in your life. Now, if you're interested in coaching, please go ahead and send me a DM on the contact page and I will be happy to serve you. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of Shelley and myself, go out and have a fabulous day.